be preaching to you this morning from Exodus chapter 20, verses 7 through 11, the text that we heard read just a few moments ago. Can you imagine if the parent-child relationship was dependent upon perfect obedience from the kids? Little Johnny, I I love you as long as you obey me perfectly. The moment that you cross me, you are out of here. You are on your own. Good luck. If that's the way that the parent-child relationship operationalized, then I think we'd all agree that none of us would be here. None of us would have, have made it. But it doesn't. Because the relationship between parents and children precedes and is not dependent upon perfect obedience. That's not a minimizing of consequences, but that is the blessed reality of God's good design for family flourishing. Church, aren't you glad that as Christians, our relationship with the Lord, that our relationship with our Heavenly Father precedes and is not dependent upon our perfect obedience to His commands. He is a God who who rescues us. He, He frees us from slavery to sin. He grants us a new life as His people. And then He calls us to live for His glory by obedience to His Word. Our obedience then is the fruit. It's not the source It's the overflow, it's the the fruit, not the root of our salvation. It's the natural overflow of a life rescued and redeemed by God's saving grace. The truth I want us to see this morning is the same truth, the same big picture truth, the same overarching truth that we saw last week, and it is this, that the God who rescues us calls us to live for His glory. The God who rescues us, the God who comes to save us, to deliver us, to redeem us, the God who rescues us, calls us to live for His glory. And we looked at the first couple ways from the Ten Commandments last week that we can live for His glory. Today we're going to look at Commandments 3 and 4, but just by way of quick review, we saw last week that we glorify God when we worship Him alone. One of the ways that we exalt Him, one of the ways that we show our love for the Lord is by worshiping Him alone. Commandment numero uno, you shall have No other gods before me, Yahweh says. Glorify God when we worship Him alone. And secondly, we saw that we glorify God when we worship Him the right way. We glorify God. We glorify the one who made us and who redeems us. We glorify Him when we worship Him the right way. This is the second command. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. Glorify God when we worship Him alone. We glorify God when we worship Him the right way. And third, we see that we glorify God when we exalt His reputation. So people of faith, been saved by the mercy and grace of God, we, we glorify the One who, who made us and who saves us by exalting His reputation. We're going to camp out here for a little while this morning. Verse 7 of Exodus chapter 20. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. For the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses His name. Just a few moments ago, we sang about God Almighty, the great I Am. Beautiful song. 
the great I am, an echo of the name that God revealed to Moses in the book of Exodus. You remember the story. God appears suddenly to Moses in the desert through a burning bush that never burns up. And God says to Moses, he says, hey, Moses, I've seen the misery of my people. I remember the promise that I made with their father, Abraham. I've heard their cries for help, and I am going to rescue them. I'm sending you, Moses, to bring them out of Egypt. And Moses responds to God. Moses says, okay, God, so what if I go? What if I go and upon arriving, I tell them that that you're the God who sent me. And they ask me, they say, what is his name? And God answers in Exodus chapter 3, verse 14. He says, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses in Exodus 3.15, Say to the Israelites, Yahweh, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. What an odd way to describe himself. Who are you, Lord? I am. Moses, tell them he is sent you. This name, Yahweh, appears nearly 7,000 times in the Hebrew Scriptures of the Old Testament. And it means He is. God says, I am who I am, or I will be who I will be. Tell them He is sent you. It suggests that God is mysterious. We don't fully understand Him. He's mysterious and He is eternal and unchanging. He is self-existent and our God is self-sufficient. Written as the Lord. You may notice in all caps in most of our English translations of the Bible for centuries spoken as Adonai in the Hebrew and Kyrios in the Greek reflecting reverence for the holy name for, for fear of mispronouncing it and thereby taking God's name in vain or misusing his name. But commandment three, the one that we are focusing on here and now is not about mispronouncing God's name. It's about misusing God's name. What does it mean? Church, to misuse his name. For the Hebrews, names were carefully chosen representing the person. And so God's name represents his reputation. To use his name properly is to exalt his reputation. It's to accurately declare and depict who he is. It's what the psalmist meant in Psalm 96 verse 8 when He's saying, ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Bring an offering and come into His courts. To to misuse God's name is to use it in an empty way. It's to use it flippantly or carelessly. It's to treat the one who is sacred and holy as secular and common. To toss His name or title around like a curse word is to misuse His name. To take an oath in God's name and then proceed to lie is to misuse His name. And we know from the Bible that as followers of Jesus, as Christians, we bear His name. Paul writes in Romans chapter 10, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. John likewise says in 1 John chapter 5 verse 13, He says, I write these things to you, church, who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. And when the scriptures speak this way, they're not talking about lip service. 
But they're talking about faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Elsewhere, Paul writes in Colossians 3, he says, Whatever you do, church, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. In other words, do it in a way, live in such a way. Whatever you do, whatever you say, do it in such a way that exalts the reputation of the Lord Jesus Christ. To attribute something falsely is to... To attribute something to God falsely would be to misuse His name. To say that God told me to do such and such without being sure that God told you to do it would be to misuse His name. To carelessly and thoughtlessly go through the motions of worship, church. To mouth prayers. To mouth songs without reverence and awe for the one that we are worshiping is to misuse his name. So friends, whatever you do, it's a believer, exalt the name of the one you bear. And to exalt Jesus is to rightly use God's name. For Philippians chapter 2, verse 9, God exalted Christ Jesus to the highest place. What does Paul write? He says, and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The Bible is declaring here in Philippians chapter 2 that the name Jesus Christ is now synonymous with Lord, implying that the God who appeared to Moses in the burning bush and said, I am, is the very same one we now know as Jesus of Nazareth. Friends, Christ is the King. Christ is the Lord. Christ is the Holy One who has come down from on high to rescue sinners. So bow your knee to Him. Bow your knee to Jesus. Bow your knee to Jesus. Let's be a people who participate here and now in giving the Lord Jesus the honor that He alone deserves. Submit your life to Him. Surrender to Him as Savior and as Lord and then carry His name in such a way as to exalt His reputation in all of the earth. The God who rescues us calls us to live for His glory, to be His faithful representatives. We glorify this God when we exalt His reputation and we see here, Fourthly, that we glorify God when we remember His acts and rest in His grace. We glorify the Lord God Almighty when we remember His acts, when we remember what He has done, who He is and what He has done, and when we rest in His grace. That's the point of the fourth commandment. Let's look at it again. Verse 8, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. See, to keep this Sabbath day holy is to set it apart for worship. It is, the Bible says, a day given to the Lord, to Yahweh your God. The command is to set it apart from the rest of the week for sacred use. It is the Lord's day. The God who rescues us calls us to live for His glory all the time. But especially, you might say, on his day. If your premarital counselor said to you, always remember your wedding anniversary. He's not simply saying, don't forget the date, right? 
He's saying, don't forget the date and make it special for your spouse. Purchase flowers or, or jewelry or get a dinner reservation. Show your wife you love her and that you cherish the relationship that you have with her. That's what it means to remember. We know that, to remember your wedding anniversary. Likewise, to remember the Sabbath is not simply to recall it. It's not simply to say, oh yeah, today is the Lord's day. No, it is to act upon it. It is to set aside that day as a special day to show love for the God who saved you. The Bible says in verse 10 on it, you shall not do any work. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. It's a day for worship and it's a day for rest. God calls us to work. It's part of His plan. He calls us to be a people who work, to to labor. But the Sabbath, according to the Scriptures, is a day for ceasing from labors. It's a day for leisure as a way of acknowledging the pattern that God has set and expressing our trust in Him to provide for us. Creation account says that God rested on the seventh day as a way of celebrating what he had done. Deuteronomy chapter 5, the other biblical account of the giving of the Ten Commandments, the restating of the commandments to the next generation as they prepare to enter the promised land suggests another motivation for remembering the Sabbath. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 15, Remember that you were slaves in Egypt. That the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, observe the Sabbath day. So in Exodus, the remembering is tied to recognizing God as our creator. And in Deuteronomy, the remembering is tied to recognizing God as our redeemer. Church, we glorify God when we remember his acts, when we remember what he has done, that he is a creating and redeeming God. We glorify God when we remember his acts and we rest in his grace. And as you well know, after our Lord's resurrection, followers of Jesus began worshiping on the first day of the week. This is why we're here today on Sunday, Acts chapter 20, verse 7. On the first day of the week, we came together to break bread, Luke writes. Paul spoke to the people. Because he intended to leave the next day, he kept on talking until midnight. Alistair Begg helpfully writes, he says, The Jewish Sabbath came at the end of six days and spoke of a rest to come. The Christian Sunday comes at the beginning of the week, symbolizing the rest that Jesus Christ has won for those who trust in him. Church, we need rest. And Jesus ultimately provides the rest. And church, our, our weekly Sunday gatherings serve as a needed reminder that the God of creation and redemption has rescued and recreated us in Jesus Christ. So let's join the Sunday rehearsal. Let's join the Sunday rehearsal. Join the Sunday rehearsal. Don't don't miss the weekly reminder and gathering of God's people to remember and celebrate what He has done. Our Our weekly gathering is for the glory of our God and for our good as His people. Let's not miss it. Don't miss it. Recounting who God is and what He has done and anticipating Christ's return for His people. Parents, let's not let the lure of the dollar. Let's not let the lure of the dollar 
Let's not let the lie of a cheap, false rest or the subtle threat of any form of idolatry, be it career or sports or comfort or pleasure, keep us from honoring the fourth command by joining the Sunday rehearsal. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together. Friends, we glorify God when we remember His acts and rest in His grace. So join the Sunday rehearsal and rest in Christ's provision for you. Rest in Jesus. Rest in what He has done for you. Aren't you glad that as Christians, our relationship with the Lord is not dependent upon our perfect obedience to His commands. Friends, without exception, we have broken these commands. Every single one of us. But there is one who obeyed God's law perfectly, who lived the life that we couldn't ultimately so that He could give His life in our place. He gave His perfect, innocent, pure blood, spotless Lamb of God, spilled His blood, who gave His life on our behalf. Therefore, the author of Hebrews says, brothers and sisters, Since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, that is the presence of God, the throne room of God, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain, that is His body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God. Let us draw near to Him and rest in Him. Draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. We were guilty, but the blood of Jesus was spilled for us. Cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. So church, let's, let's draw near. Let's draw near. Let's draw near through Jesus. We draw near this morning as we sing His praise. As we come before Him confidently in faith to exalt His name, to worship Him, let's draw near to Him. Let's draw near to Him, confessing our inadequacy, our inability, our unfaithfulness and disobedience and living up to His perfect standard, but receiving the mercy and grace that He has shown us in the gospel of Jesus. Let's draw near to Christ today. Let's rest in His provision for us. Let's proclaim the riches of His grace. Father, hear our praise now. Lord, as we respond to You, lead us to exalt Your reputation in this place and across the earth. Lord, as Your people sing, as Your people bow in prayer. Father, as we lay our lives before You, as we express our faith in You, we pray that it would be to the glory of Your name. Father, we pray that we would faithfully represent You. Hear our praise now. Lord, stir us, move us to repentance and faith in Jesus. May we glorify you. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.